to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Mm. Well, we bless God for the ministry and song of the sounds of the tabernacle. Amen. Praise God for the opportunity to hear his word today. Amen. Y'all good? Excited about Jesus? Amen. Won't go back? Can't go back? Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I ain't going back. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Ooh. Do you remember the way it used to be? Amen. Hallelujah. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. I just feel led to continue in this vein of dealing with faith. Amen. And verses number one through three. I'm going to read it from the NIV. Who has a King James? You have the King, King James? King James. Okay, and Trevor's going to read it from the King James for me. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. first. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commend, commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. not seen for by it the elders obtained a good report through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are which things which are seen were not made of things which do appear amen amen amen, amen. tell your neighbor neighbor faith, faith, faith is, being sure is being sure of what we hope for and certain, and certain of what we don't see. We don't see. Amen? Amen? Faith, Faith. is being sure, being sure of what we hope for. Hope for. And, certain and certain of what we don't see. We Faith, Faith is being sure, being sure of what we hope for. Hope for. And, certain and certain of what we don't see. We Faith. Is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. I want to talk about biblical faith. 
what it does and how it works. Biblical faith, what it does and how it works. I guess you would call this a doctrinal message, amen? But it is an instructional message, amen, as we continue in this vein of dealing with faith, amen. Last Sunday, Elder Stowe uh, used for a topic, all of a sudden, just like that, it's a done deal, amen. And he dealt with faith, amen, amen. All of a sudden, just like that, it's a done deal. So I want to I wanna, I wanna just talk a little bit more about this, a little bit more about this. I think the Sunday before then, we dealt with, we dealt with, uh, with, with the, in the same vein, dealing with faith. And this is a very critical issue. It is a very critical issue. And the longer you live, the more you realize just how important biblical faith is. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, the longer you, sometimes when you're young and you, 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 you think that you're strong and, you know, you got it all under control and everything is working out well for you or you can fix it. Yeah, but, but when you get a little bit older and you find out that you can't fix everything, you find out everything is not always well, amen, even though you're professing it, amen, you need to be able to walk in faith, amen, so you need to know what faith is, you need to know what faith does, you need to know how faith works, amen, amen, so pay attention to this message this morning, amen, I believe you will learn something, amen. This chapter introduces the final section of, the, of this epistle, uh, and this section is actually chapters 11 through 13, amen? And it's, the, 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 some people call this a superior principle. They, they label this section a superior principle, faith. In chapters 1 through 6 of the book, the author emphasized the fact that Christ was a superior person, and in chapters 7 through 10, he exercises, that Christ exercises a superior priesthood. And consequently, because of this, and of course this is more entailed than, than what I'm sharing right now, but because of this, the early Christians and us should put our trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, of course, <clears throat> it was the first century Christians that, that, that this book was first written to. They were being tempted to go back into Judaism and to put their faith in Mosaic and the Mosaic law because of the things that they were going through, both inwardly and outwardly. And, I, you know, sometimes when, when I realize that, you know, that I haven't asked for a particular song on a Sunday morning and then right before I preach that, that something relating to the message is saying, it, it just gives confirmation in my spirit that I'm speaking what what God wants spoken. Amen. Amen. You just finished singing, I won't go back, can't go back to the way it used to be since your presence came and changed me. And it's easy to sing that. Amen. It's easy to say that. All right. The difficult part is keeping yourself from going back. Amen. Amen. Keeping yourself from reverting to the old you, of the old ways, the old habits, amen. It, it's, it's, it, and you see people reverting all of the time. And it gets discouraging, 
to young believers when they see older believers because they've gone through severe tests of affliction to see them fall away. And we may think, well, you know, I'm just tired of this, I'm just tired of that, I'm just tired of the other, I'll just stay at home. And we don't realize the effect that we have on younger believers in the faith. Nor do we realize that we're actually reverting back to some old ways and old habits that we used to have. Amen. Amen. You know, you think about how you used to be. And how you used to just stop stuff and not have anything to do with people and things. And then all of a sudden you don't want to have anything to do with your brothers and sisters in Christ. All of the word you know, then you don't want to have anything to do with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because maybe they sinned, maybe they did something that they had no business doing. But you know, you won't, and I said this before, we won't grace people in the same way that we need to be graced in our own lives. You know, when we're going through, we want somebody to grace us. But when somebody else is going through, we don't want to grace them. And it's a sad thing. So it, it's easy to say, I won't go back. It's easy to sing it. It's, but, but the proof is in the pudding when the test is coming. And it's not always because you are being afflicted by the devil that you revert back to your old self. Amen. It's not always that now. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. The, amen. The, the, these tendencies to fall away can come, as you will see in this message, from a variety of things, all right? But we're encouraged to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, the, the early church was being, being persecuted. They were going through, part of what they were going through was inward. And on the, when I say inward, I don't necessarily mean... Um, uh, just in the body of Christ, but part of it was in the body of Christ. But a lot of it dealt with the individual believer. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're the church. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, if you stop, part of the church stops. So neighbor, if you get offended, Part of the church is offended. Amen. You know, uh, I, I listed this old hymn, and I've been, I don't know why this hymn came up in my spirit I've been, for the last three or four weeks, uh, and I put it in that email. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode, the church the blessed Redeemer saved with his own precious blood. I love thy church, O oh God, her walls before me stand, dear as the apple of thine eye, engraven on thy hand. We don't, we don't sing too much today about loving the church, because we love ourselves more than we love the church. Amen. But, but, but we need to get back to loving the church. Amen. Because the church has a special place. The church is dear as the apple of God's eye. And the church has a mission in this world. Anyway, this epistle reveals some inner weaknesses among the believers. As you read throughout Hebrews, you read about them being encouraged not to drift away, all right, from the messages, uh, 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 that, from what they've heard, not to neglect, amen, um, the message of salvation, not to fail to reach uh, the Christian goal. They're encouraged not to lose hold on the faith that they confess or not to lose their confidence. As you read, you read about them not becoming dull of understanding or becoming sluggish. 
Mm. Amen. You read about them, how they are encouraged to develop from spiritual childhood into maturity. So there are some issues going on in the church. Amen. There are some issues going on in the church that the writer writes to. They're encouraged to cast off the weight of sin, not to grow weary or lose heart. Uh, they're encouraged to strengthen uh, uh, their or possibly one another's uh, uh, weak knees or make straight paths for their feet and not to be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. This stuff was going on in the church. He wasn't writing this just because he had a revelation or just because he had an interest to write this, but he was dealing with issues that were going on in the church. Amen? Amen. That, and these issues show us that there were some weaknesses, amen, among the believers that needed to be dealt with. Along with this, there was mention of rebellion against the will of God, uh, the, uh, uh, and there was mention of the danger of having an evil, unbelieving heart, excuse me, that would turn them away from the living God, amen, uh, and many, many other things are mentioned throughout this chapter, throughout this book, excuse me, that he had to deal with, that he wrote to deal with, amen, that was causing problems, amen, in the believers and causing them to fall away. Amen. There was also pressure from the outside. Are you listening? Boaz says he's listening. There's also pressure from the, from the outside. Amen. Amen. Uh, outward pressure, attacks leveled against the believers that he was writing to them about. Like, just like when Jesus was on earth, they were being tested. Amen. And, and, and the, the, the tests that they were going through were severe. But he also warns them that these trials seem to be increasing even the more in severity. They were not lightening up. Are you hearing, are you hearing me? Sometimes we just want, Lord, just, 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 why don't you just lift this thing off of me? God said, I'm not, uh, it's not time to lift it. Amen. Amen. God was letting them know that these tests, these trials were not being lifted. Somebody say they were not being lifted. Sometimes what you're going through, the Lord doesn't lift it right away. He doesn't lift it right away. Amen. Even though we may want him to lift it, he doesn't lift it right away because, amen, there is something that needs to be developed in us in the midst of what we go through. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. These trials were going to be so severe, amen, uh, to the point of perhaps making, causing some of them to be, to be martyrs for the faith. And so this is the reason that they are encouraged in chapter 10 not to throw away their confidence in the midst of the persecution that they were going through. Yes, they were being severely persecuted. And yes, they were going through great trials of affliction because of their faith in Jesus Christ. But going back was not the answer. Going back was not the answer. Their confidence was not to be in the visible things of this world, but in the invisible realities of the true and living God. Amen? Amen. Don't go back. Your confidence is not to be in the visible realities of this world. 
Young people, your confidence, even though you should hold us older people in high esteem, your ultimate confidence must be in Jesus Christ. Your ultimate confidence must be in Jesus Christ. Yes, you can touch us. Yes, you can hear our words. Yes, we can embrace you. These are visible, visible realities of this world. But we are human beings. We make mistakes. We do wrong. And let me tell you something. You can run from this church and go to another church. But you get involved in that church and you're going to find human beings there. Amen. That's all you're going to find. And those human beings are going to make mistakes. And ultimately, if you get closely involved, and you ought to be, you're going to have some hurt come in your life. But the question should be, God, what do you want to come out of the hurt that is going on in my life? I've told you over and over again, there is no way for iron to sharpen iron unless some, 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 some you got to hit one another and some sparks have to fly. Some metal has to come off for you to be sharpened. Maybe you don't like it, but that's the way it is. And if, if, if you're going to grow in the Lord, God is going to allow some stuff in your life that is going to hurt you. My daddy used to say when he was whipping us, he'd say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm sure God is hurt when he has to, hurt, when he has to whip us but it's for our good. He doesn't want to whip us, but we just won't do right. I, daddy would be, I don't know about anybody else, but I know daddy would be whipping me. I said, daddy, I ain't going to do it no more. Yes, you are. You're going to do it again. <laughs> Amen. That's what it is. Yes, you're going to do it again. I know you. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. I was going to do it again. <laughs> My goodness. Hallelujah. But he did it because he loved us. He, you know, he had to, you do not love, you can't let your children grow up and not discipline them and say you love them. Lord, have mercy. You, you got to discipline your children. Now, it, it doesn't always mean whipping. But you got to discipline your children if you really love them. You just cannot allow children to do what they want to do when they want to do it. You can't do that, parents. You just can't. Yeah, you got to have some leeway, but my goodness, you, you ought to have a standard in your house. Yeah, the children going to get mad at you. You got mad at your parents. I used to think my dad was the meanest thing in the world. But I didn't go anywhere. Where, where, where was I going to go? Who was going to take care of me? And you foolish if somebody said I run away and come to your house and say, come on, baby, I'll take care of you. That's foolish. You send that child back home. 
Because there are two sides to every story. You hear me? There are two sides to every story. There are three sides. There's your side, that person's side, and God's side. Amen. Anyway, let me go on. Hallelujah. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. They were not to throw away that confidence. That confidence was not to be in the visible realities of this world, but in the invisible reality of God. So instead of going back to perdition, instead of going back to destruction, because when you go back, that's what you're going back to. Instead of going back to waste, they should be going on to perfection or going on to maturity. Amen. 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 When you're going through trials of affliction, when you're going through tests, God is maturing you. He is maturing you. You got to go on because the end result is going to be maturity in your life. God wanted the church, God wanted believers to mature. God wants us to mature today. He doesn't want us crying like little babies because we can't have our way. He don't want us getting our toys and going home because we got mad at somebody. No, 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 no. He wants us to be able to work together because every part of the body is vital for the, for the, for the, for the work of ministry, for the success of the kingdom. He wants us to mature. He doesn't want us acting like little children all of the time. Well, considering that, it's important to note that there are times you and I are tempted to go back to the visible, tangible things in this world and in this life. Amen? There are times we're tempted to go back to things that we can touch and feel in the midst of our difficulties and the severe tests and afflictions of our lives. And considering the gamut of things that the writer lists in the book of Hebrews, we have to admit that some of our problems become some of our problems come because we too have become dull of hearing. We become sluggish. We become slothful in the things of God. Now, brothers and sisters, let me just look at you, talk to you face to face. Trevor, if I get sluggish, that's not your fault. That's my fault. Just God. If I get dull of hearing, that's not your fault. That's my fault. Are you hearing me? I can't sit down and blame you for what I'm not doing. Are you hearing me? Oh, the church in this and the church in that. Well, what are you? What are you doing? You, I just told you, you're the church now. What, what, what are you doing in your life so that you can bring something and add to the body? Every joint has something to supply to the whole. So if I'm sluggish, I can sit back and blame uh, Sister Erica. I can't do that. Because it's my fault if I'm sluggish. Well, the preacher didn't preach good today. I think I'll go get a drink. (laughs) 
You wanted to drink anyway. That wasn't my fault. Scratch your head. What's going on with these people? So we have to admit, we have to admit that a lot of our problems come because we become sluggish. We become dull of hearing. We neglect some of the things that we ought to do that will help keep the fire of God burning in our lives. Can't come to your house, to all of y'all's houses, and sit down every day with you and read the Bible. Okay, come on, Logan. Let's let's sit down today. Now you ain't read in two weeks. Now I gotta. I ain't got time to do that. And Sister Erica probably been telling him you need to read the Bible, and he just been trifling. <laughs> Amen. Are you hearing? You cannot blame other people for your own shortcomings. Amen. Amen. You have a responsibility in this process. You do say, I got a responsibility. I've got it. It's mine. I got to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to worship at home by myself. I have to spend time in the presence of God. I have to encourage myself so that when I am stirred up, and I come to the house of God, I get together with other people that are stirred up, and my goodness, the awesome power of God that is revealed in the midst. Sometimes I'm praying, Lord, Lord, what, what can I do? What can happen, you know, just to stir the excitement of people? Because my people don't need to be stirred to excitement by what you do. They need to be stirred to excitement by what they do with me, that relationship with me. So I'm praying, Lord, Lord, send somebody here to need healing. Let me pray for them so they'll be healed. God said, uh-uh. People don't need to see that. These people that's in here don't need to see that so they can be excited. They ought to already be excited. They ought to already be excited about me. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. It's important to take, to take note of this, saints, because if we're not careful, we can easily slip away from growing, hallelujah, into a vibrant faith in God. We can become like sheep that just nibble away. Just picture in your mind, sheep in the pasture, and they're just eating. They're not paying attention to where they're going. They're just nibbling away, and they're just going. And all of a sudden, they find themselves outside of the fold, away from the shepherd, in danger. The cares of life, saints of God, listen to me, and the push to succeed in life, amen, or just the business of life can cause us to put more time in those things that are making sure that, we are, that our faith is growing and developing. You don't have to be going out to the club. You can just be going to work every day, taking care of your bills, taking care of your house, and neglecting to pick up your Bible and read neglecting to study, neglecting to set aside some special time for God. And before you know it, you have slipped away from God. You have a form of godliness and deny the power of a godly life. Are you listening? It's easy to put spiritual things off 
and to make excuses for not engaging God and faith. It's easy. Well, I got to go to this meeting. And now, 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 it's wonderful that our children, and, and I know my son is a teenager, so I understand what we had to do with him. It's wonderful that our children are involved in school and in sports activities and what have you, and band and all that stuff. But if you watch the way of the world, and you allow your child to get involved in everything, they won't have time for spiritual things. And we will give them the impression that these things are more important in these formative years of their lives. Notice now, these formative years of their lives than spiritual things are. So you can miss youth meeting and never make an opportunity to sit down and say, how can we restructure this so that all of our children can be a part of this process? They have these things going on. Let's see what adjustments we can make so that all of them, because this is important for them. I don't want my child growing up thinking that band is the most important thing. And notice these things appeal to their senses. They appeal to their senses. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan has been using the same thing to pull God's people away down through the ages. And if he gets our children in their formative years, it's not difficult for him to have them when they get older. They may go to church, but there's no real faith in God. Because what is important to them is not spiritual things. Lord, help us. So then the author brings us to chapter 11. In chapter 11, all of the Christians are called to live by faith. Somebody say live by faith. Don't just talk faith, all right? Don't just do those things that easily satisfy a religious spirit or conscience, but actually embrace the faith and live by it every day. That's what they're encouraged to do in chapter 11, to live by faith, to embrace the faith and to live by it every day. This is the only solution to the possibility of falling away or reverting back to our old ways or to similar ways. The only possibility of not falling away is that you embrace the faith and live by it day by day. If you don't embrace this faith, you'll fall away from it. Amen. Living by faith is the key to growing in faith and developing a strong, energetic and vibrant, life-changing faith. Living by faith is the key to maintaining our confidence in God. You got to live by this. You got to live by it. Excuse me. You're not going to maintain your confidence if you don't live by it. If you don't live by faith. I guess I need to kind of break this down. You cannot be a gossiper and say you're living by faith. You can't have a reveling spirit and you're out at parties and clubs all of the time and saying that you're living by faith. There's some things that just don't line up with living by faith. 
You cannot spend all of your time in front of the television satisfying the pleasures of your mind, watching whatever, and say that you're living by faith. You can't be a murmurer and a complainer and say that you're living by faith. Okay? This is not to throw stones at anybody, but it's to help us to see that if I'm going to live by faith, I embrace the faith. And if I'm going to live by faith, I cannot do all of these other things and then in crisis times expect my faith to rise to the occasion. Are you listening? Because your faith is not just going to rise to the occasion if you've not been living by it. Why do I spend so much time talking about people murmuring and complaining and gossiping and standing in people's business? You know, I got to the place one time I said, well, you know, that's just the way people are. People just going to do that. I'm going to stop talking about it. But the Lord said, no, that's not living by faith. You got to help people understand that you can't do all that stuff and say that you're living by faith. When God said, don't do it, and you are doing it, then you are not living by faith. So you can shut your mouth. You can, you can stop talking about people. You can. You can stop being a trash can. Everybody bring that garbage and dump it on you. You can stop doing it if you call yourself living by faith. It's a dangerous thing for us saints. You know, uh, we, we, we used to have to deal with a, a, a particular person, a particular pastor, and, and one of the pastors said, and he's anointed. He's, he's anointed. As long as he stays under his anointing. But once he's out of that pulpit and off under his anointing, you just got to watch out for him. Now listen to me. Here, now we're laughing about this. We can be, because God, we can be anointed by God to do a particular thing. And we can flow in that anointing when we're doing that thing. But if we, once we walk from under that anointing, if we are not careful, we can go back in the flesh. And then stuff will start coming out of our mouths. And we'll start acting prideful. And acting like we're better than other people. And we'll start staying in other people's business. And all the time, we're, we are attributing it to being spiritual and being the, being the anointed. And it's not the anointing of God at all. Because the anointing of God does not bring confusion. The anointing of God does not cause trouble. The anointing of God does not bring division. Lord have mercy. So, so we, we got to understand this. Y'all still here? We, we've got we've to understand this. Where was I? Amen. Ah, yes, Lord God Almighty. So, anyhow. Yes. Y'all got it? I hope so. I'm going to give you a test next week. Better yet, the Lord might give you a test this during the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got to live by faith every day. 
Amen. Which means I got to put, I got to even put a watch over my eyes. Mmm. I, 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 I got to put a, a, a bit in my mouth and a bridle around my tongue. Amen. Maybe this is where people get the idea that Christianity is so restrictive. No, Christianity is not restrictive. Actually, this liberates us. Because this sets us free from patterns of bad behaviors that don't glorify God. Bad behaviors that we've gotten ourselves into from being churched over the years and never being brought into the knowledge of the truth. What do you think your child think about you when they hear you on the phone talking about another brother or sister in Christ? What do you think your child thinks about you? Now you want to be so spiritual and you want to discipline them when they say something they ain't got no business saying. They heard you on the phone. Better yet, we husband and wives and they hear us up in the house fussing and cussing and arguing. And we want to be spiritual. Set them in order when they do wrong. Mm. Mm. Somebody say, mm. You gotta, you gotta live this thing every day, and this is this is living my faith. If you want your confidence to rise to the occasion, then you gotta live by this thing every day. You can't be raggedy, and then when trouble comes, expect your confidence to be there. Oh, God's gonna make a way somehow. You might say it, but in the back of your mind, you're wondering, is God gonna do this thing? Am I gonna make it through this? Living by faith is the key to maintaining our confidence in God. A confidence that has a rich reward for us. Amen? It is the only way to please God, the Bible says. And consequently, the only way to be honored by God with answered prayers and with victorious living. Amen. So in chapter 11, the author discusses two aspects Amen, uh, of, 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 of this topic relating to faith. Um, uh, and for our purposes, I'm only going to deal with the first one because if I dealt with the second one, we'd be here to 5 o'clock. Amen. So since we're going to be here to 3 o'clock, amen, we'll be all right for me dealing with the first one. Amen. Turn the air on. It's getting hot in here. Amen. Y'all hot? Lord have mercy. It is warm. We need some circulation, just a little bit. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Amen. Somebody said, mm. Okay. So in, in here, what we see here in, the, in this first one, this is a description of faith, all right? It is a description of what biblical faith is and how biblical faith works, okay? It's not a definition of faith. But it is a description, again, it is a description of what faith is and what faith does and how faith works, okay? And this, this is what we need because we can look up, we can get a dictionary and we can look up a definition of faith. Or if I ask anybody in here, what is your definition of faith? Many of you have a definition of faith, all right? We need a picture of, faith, of what faith does and how faith works so that we can make sure that we are in faith and that we are living by faith. 
all right? True biblical faith is not blind optimism, all right? Nor is it a manufactured hope so feeling. Are you listening? True biblical faith is not blind optimism, nor is it a manufactured hope so. Oh, I hope, I hope so. It's not intellectual assent to a doctrine, okay? And it's certainly not believing in spite of evidence, okay? Because if we believed in spite of evidence, that would be superstition. True biblical faith. Somebody say true biblical faith. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Biblical faith operates very simply. It's this. God speaks, we hear, we trust, and we act on God's word. No matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be. Biblical faith operates real simple. God speaks. Y'all are, are writing it down. We hear. We trust and we act on his word, no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be. The consequences of the circumstances may seem to be impossible, and the consequences might be frightening if we know what they are. But we obey God just the same, and we believe him to do what is right and to do what is best. Wow. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, one example I thought about, and wrote it down. First thing came into my spirit was Jesus walking on the water. And Peter sees him walking. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. Jesus said, come. And Peter steps out of the boat and immediately starts walking. Uh, actually, Peter said, he didn't say, let me come. He said, bid me come or tell me to come. Command me to come. God, you've got to give the word. Peter understood this. You've got to give the word in order for me to walk on this water. So when Jesus gave the word, Peter obeyed and he started walking on water. Wow. Biblical faith works that way. Peter did not begin to sink until he started start looking at the waves. He didn't start sinking. You say, well, it's a natural thing to look at the waves. Yep, and that's where we get in trouble, in the natural. Tell your neighbor, you get in trouble in the natural. Jesus had already given the word. Peter had already started walking. The winds were blowing when he stepped out of the boat. 
the waves were, were, were lashing when he stepped out of the boat, but he was still walking on water. Biblical faith. God speaks, we hear, we trust, and we act on his word. Hallelujah. Ooh, Lord Jesus. I don't have any numbers on my iPads. I don't know what page I'm on. This is something that the unbelieving world, the unbelievers, uh, don't understand. We should know this. We should understand it. But the world does not understand this. People in the world cannot understand biblical faith, true Bible faith. There was a gentleman by the name of H.L. Mencken. He was a cynical writer. He defined faith as illogical belief in the occurrence of the impossible. Illogical belief in the occurrence of the impossible. And this is the way that a lot of people think in the world, okay? Because they really have no point of reference as to an object of faith. If the object of their faith is some concocted idealism or some concocted theory that they made up, then it will not work. But the object of our faith, glory to God, is El Shaddai. The object of our faith is the all-sufficient one. The object of our faith is the true and the living God, the God that promised Abraham a son, hallelujah, in his old age and caused that son to be born even when Abraham was older and Sarah's wife was past childbearing age. The object of our faith is the God who gave his only begotten son as a sacrifice for our sins. And after he was crucified, God raised him from the dead with infallible proof. He's the object of our faith. So faith is not some feeling that we manufacture. It is our total response to what God, the object of our faith, has revealed in his word. Amen. Are y'all still in the house? If you got cold, shake yourself now because y'all get quiet when you get cold. I can tell when y'all get quiet. This is a stop. You just turn it up one notch, right? It'll cut off in a minute. Amen. Three. There are three words in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 that summarize what, three, what biblical faith is. Now, I said three words so you know I'm getting close to the end. All right? Those three words are substance, evidence, and witness. Substance. Evidence and witness. The word translated for substance means literally to stand under, to support. So faith is that which stands under or supports that which we hope for. All right? Faith is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. It gives confidence and assurance that we will stand. So you might say faith is the confidence of things hoped for. So when a believer has faith, it's God's way of giving him confidence and assurance that what he promised will be experienced. Hallelujah. Amen? Biblical faith is what stands under us 
what supports us as we live in relationship with our God and what assures us that we will come through and come out on top. Victory. Somebody shout victory. victory. Biblical faith is where God is now. Somebody say now. Yeah. What God is doing now. Yeah. What we are coming out of now. How we are prospering now. How, how we are overcoming now. It's not where we were yesterday. God is not operating in yesterday. God is operating in today. Now faith. Glory to God. It's not what might happen, but what we are, we are assured of will happen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. As we exercise our faith in the Almighty God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Our God is faithful, and we know it because he's proven himself. Hallelujah. Our God will keep his word, and we know it because he's proven himself. Our God will make us victorious, and we know it because he has proven himself. Somebody ought to shout up in here. Biblical faith is our confidence and our assurance that we will stand. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you're going to stand. Mm. Then we come to the word evidence. Evidence. Evidence simply means conviction. In a court of law, there must be evidence. There must be some sign. There must be some proof. Somebody say proof. There must be some information that can be proven that is sufficient to convict a person of a crime. If there is no evidence, the person that has been charged is set free. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Hallelujah. The evidence, the proof, hallelujah, of things not seen. Hallelujah. I don't see it, but my faith is the proof. And my faith has an object. And the object of my faith is El Shaddai. The object of my faith is El El Yon. The object of my faith is Jehovah. The object of my faith. Glory to God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And for this, this is an inward conviction. This is the inward conviction from God that he promised us. That he promised, amen, the inward conviction from God that what he has promised, he will perform. Amen? What he has promised, he will perform. How do we get this inward conviction? Actually, neighbor, how do you get it? What well, I, I just said, that God instills this conviction in us but I want to be a little bit more specific. Hallelujah. Just a little bit more. Through the revelation of the Word of God, as we hear it over and over again, God instills this conviction in us. Somebody told me the other day, he said, Bishop, I've been listening to a message you preached back when. 
2010. And I've been listening to it over and over and over and over again. Oh, my goodness. Do you realize how important it is to listen to the word over and over and over? You don't get it. You're not going to remember everything I said today. But what would happen to you if you got the CD and throughout every day this week for seven days, you listen to this message over and over and over and over again? Through the revelation of the word of God, as we hear it over and over again, God instills this conviction in us. Yes, when I hear that God watches over his word to perform it, then I read what God promised Abraham a son, that through the son all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Then I see the fulfillment of that word. I begin to develop this inner conviction. Because all the nations of the earth are blessed through Jesus, the son of Abraham. When I read the record of the widow of Zarephath about to die, along with her son, because she only had enough meal and oil for one last loaf of bread and a drought-stricken land. But then the man of God comes by and says, make me a cake of bread first. Now, she only had enough for one cake, but he said, make me a cake of bread first. Then you go and make it. Now, she only had enough for one cake, but he said, make me one first. That meant that she only had enough for one cake, but he said, make me one first. So when she went back, that was more. When I read it, the record, somebody said, you got to read the record. And then I see that woman and her son sustained day by day for three long years. Bishop, how did you know it was three years? Because it's not told right there in that text. You got to read a little bit further. So you got to read the record. Tell your neighbor, you got to read the record. Y'all not reading the record, saints. You got to read and read and read and read and study and study and study. And then all of a sudden, revelation comes and God begins to instill in you that he keeps his promise. He does what he says. Huh? No, no, this doesn't come from the six o'clock report. This doesn't come from Oprah. This doesn't come from Dr. Phil. It comes from reading and reading and reading and God instilling in you. He'll do what he said. Hallelujah. Because he's done what he said. Oh God, when I read the record about God promised a Messiah and this Messiah was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities and the chastisement, the punishment that brought about peace for me, he took it upon himself. And then I see Jesus who was God, who, who God said was his son. He came to take away the sins of the world. I see him whipped, glory to God. I read it in the record, amen, and I got a vision of it and I, I see him beaten beyond recognition and carried to the cross of Calvary. I see them drive nails in his hands and nails in his feet and I see them pierce him in his side. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And place a crown of thorns on his head. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I see him giving his life shedding his blood because of my sin. Dying. Glory to God. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead with infallible proof. Glory to God. I developed an inner conviction that God will do. You want biblical faith? 
Stop being lazy. Stop being slowful. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God. God infused my heart, my will, my innermost being with this faith. Like I said, it didn't come from the six o'clock report. It didn't come. I ain't got no microphone. Glory to God. It didn't come from my psychology class in college. It didn't come. No, it didn't. It didn't even come from my sociology class in seminary. Uh, it came as I walked with God, as I read the record, and as I lived in the community of faith. You can think you can do away with the church if you want to, but there's something about the community of faith. I had to see my grandmama make it. Amen. Her husband died in 1954. She said, I didn't need another man. I just had God. Hallelujah. Amen. And she lived for God. I never saw in my, I don't know, 27 years of living, I never saw another man in my grandmama's house. Oh, glory to God. Nobody was sneaking over in the night at my grandmama's house. Amen. Glory to God. Because she said, I didn't need another man. One came by the sea and she sent him on his way. He went to Glory to God. Hallelujah. I had to see my mom and my daddy raise 11 children on one income. I had to hear the prayers of faith. I had to hear the songs of Zion. I had to hear the testimony of the faithful. I had to see the sick be healed. I had to see the bound delivered. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In order for me to develop, glory to God, this conviction in my heart that God does what he says. I didn't draw back. No, 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 no. When things didn't go the way I wanted them to go, I didn't draw back when folk talked about me. I didn't draw back when they lied on me. I didn't draw back when they scandalized my name. I had to develop Glory to God. This inner conviction that God does what he promised in spite of what I'm going through. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Biblical faith. Jesus. Biblical faith. Hallelujah. We are not of those that draw back unto perdition, but we are of those who go on in faith. My goodness. Lord have mercy. The last thing I want to share with you today is this word witness. The King James says, the elders obtained a good report. This means that the elders had some good things said about them. They had a good witness. Now, they had a witness to the world, but somebody witnessed to their faith. They obtained a good report. Oh, y'all listening? Witness is an important word in Hebrews 11. It's only once, and it does not necessarily say it, but you, 
That's why I had the King James read. It doesn't say it in other translations, but it means the same thing. Verse 2 says, this is what they, the ancients were commended for. Huh. They were witnessed about. They, they, they had a witness to, to their faith. Hallelujah. Twice in verse 4, once in verse 5, once in verse 39. The summary in Hebrews 12, 12 1 calls this list, list of men and women a great cloud of witnesses. They are witnesses to us because God witnessed to them. And each example cited, God gave witness to that person's faith. Hallelujah. Just read it. God gave witness to their faith. And this is the important thing. It's one thing for people to commend you. But it is entirely something else when God commends you. Ooh, it's one thing for people to speak highly of you for what you've done and how you've lived. But it is entirely something else for God to speak highly of you uh, for what you've done and for how you've lived. He testified of Abel's offering. Uh, the Bible says an Abel being dead yet speaks. God said that Abel's offering was an acceptable offering. Ooh, he testified of Enoch, who was pleasing to him. And Enoch died, did not have to die. Enoch was translated uh, because the Bible says God was pleased with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What shall I say of Noah? What shall I say of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and others in the hall of faith? God gave witness uh, in his written record. This witness was his divine approval on their lives and their ministries. Saints of God, there's not going to be another Bible written to include our names in it. But if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, oh my goodness, if you leave a good testimony among the saints, and God shows people your work of faith and your labors of love. God lets people see and get a revelation of how you love them and how you are faithful to him. God will be witnessing to you. And I don't know about you, but I want divine approval on my life and my ministry. Regardless of what you say, I want God to say, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. You, you've been faithful. You've kept the faith. Uh, you've served diligently. Come on. Up high, I'll make you ruler over many things. The writer of Hebrews makes it clear that faith is a very practical thing, saints of God. In spite of what the unbelievers say, faith enables us to understand what God does. Faith enables us to see what others cannot see. Faith enables us to do what others cannot do. Faith enables us to go where others cannot go. People might laugh at us. They laughed at Noah, but that was all right. People might laugh at us. Hallelujah. People might call us crazy, but that's all right. Somebody say, that's all right. People might call us foolish, but that's all right. People might call us religious fanatics, but that's all right. As long as God is pleased with our standing faith, and as long as God is with us, enable us to succeed it doesn't matter what anybody else says oh bless the name of jesus people laughed at the saints of old hallelujah when they stepped out in faith 
but God was with them and God enabled them to succeed to his glory. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. God is with us today and we stand in faith. Everything is gonna be all right. Oh yes it is. It's already all right. Just stand in faith and watch God prove himself. Hallelujah. Over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah. Faith will enable the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Glory to God. For faith is a confidence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of what we hope for. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the proof of what we do not see. God is calling us to biblical faith. Biblical faith. You're not going to get biblical faith until you get in the Bible. I'm a firm believer that God will turn more situations around if his people operated in biblical faith. God responds to faith. Because in faith, God is responding to himself. Are you hearing me? When we stand on the word of God and what God has said, God is responding to himself. God is looking for us. Not just to say that we are believers, but to have this confidence within us that what he promised he will do. Yes, he will. What he promised, he will do. What do you need God to do for you? What has he promised you? He'll do it. Let's stand.